So for this morning's reflection on our anniversary celebration, I felt like the Lord just wanted to go back to the beginning a little bit in order to keep moving forward. There is a phrase, a value that we have, keep discovering one of our core values from the beginning. It hasn't changed. It never will change. It's this idea from 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, no matter if you've been walking with the Lord for five minutes or 50 years, there's always more. And that is one of the most astounding realities of life. That we never want to be at a place where we feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much just coasting from here on out in my walk with God. Or I've, I, I, you know, I've kind of been there, done that, been a Christian a long time, and now it's just kind of the same old, same old status quo. I feel like a fire in my belly just eating those words as I even say them because it's like, why would you ever settle for the status quo when the risen Lord Jesus is saying, I have more of me that I want to put into you? Unless you literally are like me and everyone around you says it, then I've got more for you. I mean, so it's, that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek. It's kind of a joke. It's like, oh, come on, this side of eternity, no way. No way are we ever going to even get close to being like Jesus. And that is not meant to make us feel bad. That is meant to make us feel excited. That as, you could say, as good and blessed as my life is right now, I have just scraped the surface of what it's like to be like Jesus. So it's going to just get that much better. Or if your life is really just stuck and hurting and broken and you're suffering, then there's fantastic news that your life can get so much better. How? Becoming more like Jesus. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all... With unveiled face, so this is if you're a believer, then this veil gets lifted off of you. This kind of veil of you don't see Jesus for who he is and what he's worth. That he is the savior of the world. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is meant to be both savior and Lord. When that veil gets lifted and we see him for who he truly is, but let's make sure we understand this is a process. It's not a one time, oh, now I see Jesus and I see him fully. If that were the case, then you would be fully like him. You're not. Just a, just a heads up. <laughs> Which indicates that this is a process because what does it say? As we see him, as we behold him, we are being transformed into the same image Meaning, 
of Jesus, the same image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. That is meant to be translated, put it in your heart. That's the greatest invitation you could ever hear anytime, anywhere. That the risen Lord Jesus is saying, I want to get to know you in a way. And yes, the whole this is all possible because he lived the perfect life, died on the cross, went through hell on our behalf, and resurrected to prove his power. And now as you put your trust in him as your savior, you can be forgiven, redeemed, renewed, born again. And now, now this right here, this verse is your identity. For the rest of life, and I'll dare say all of eternity, it's this. It's that as we get to know Jesus more and more, as we behold him, which is the Bible's language for a spiritual encounter, when you see him, oh, I didn't see him before, now I see him. Or now I see him in greater measure. I see him in greater nuance, in greater depth. Seeing is that sensory term in the Bible to describe a spiritual encounter. It's not a one-time thing. There's a start point for sure. The end point is the end of eternity. (laughs) So you better get used to it. This is your identity for a long time. As you get to know Jesus, as you behold him genuinely, purely, truly, By the spirit who's bringing this freedom, what happens? You get transformed little by little from one degree of glory to another to be like Jesus. So this captured our hearts 20 plus years ago. That that's what it means to follow Jesus. It's not a one-time prayer and now I'm done and I've got my ticket to heaven and I'm coasting for the next 10, 20, 30, 60 years until he takes me home. No, it's I just started. It's just beginning. And now I have the privilege for the rest of my life with white hot zeal to pursue that Lord of Lord and Kings of Kings who died on the cross for me and gave, gave everything for me. Now I want to follow him to receive everything that he purchased on the cross, which is my transformation from one degree of glory to another. So I know him so that I'm transformed and that he is honored and glorified in that process. And I believe we can live life with a white-hot zeal for that, for this vision, for this identity, and it never, never needs to go away. We never need to be in that status quo feeling, oh, it's just same old, same old. Oh, I'm just going through the motions. God's a little boring. I've just plateaued. I've been there, done that. You've been a Christian a long time. The joyful, awesome truth is if you ever feel that, that's all on you, not God. Which, don't worry, you're forgiven. (laughs) Your identity's secure. He delights in you. So now you can be courageous to face that when you feel plateaued and you're settling for the status quo and you're not changing and you got stinky fruit. Guess what? Jesus says, I've got so much better for you. That's not my will. So come on, baby, let's go. Follow me. 
Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal. Never. But keep your spiritual fervor. Those are good words. When you are submitting yourself to the spirit like we're, we're called to, when you're pursuing that transformation of the mind that Romans 12, 1 starts with, and because the, the, the devil even comes after Christians to what? Make us conform to this world so that we think like this world. He's talking to Christians. This is after 11 pages of the most like doctrine-like fundamental theology of the Bible to, to understand who we are in Christ. And even after all that, he has to say, so watch out, because you could still be conformed to this world, even if you know all that. It's a battle to be conformed to this world, to start thinking like this world, responding like this world, having emotions like this world, processing life like this world. There's always the challenge that we could slip back into that. We need to have our minds transformed. It's an ongoing process. Renewed, it says, and transformed with the truth of heaven. And when that happens, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. I love this. I love this. We take this as a promise that bored, status quo, humdrum, ho-hum, same old, same old Christianity. Thank you, Jesus, that that is not your will. In fact, it makes you want to vomit. That's Revelation chapter 3. Lukewarm Christians make Jesus want to vomit. What is that? That's not meant to be a condemnation. It's meant to be, I take it, because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus, so he thinks I'm perfect. So I take that as good news that I don't have to live lukewarm. I don't take it as condemnation. I take it as woohoo. As I submit myself to Jesus, he wants me to always have a fervor for him, a fervor for him. That's an enthusiasm, a zeal, a passion. And if I'm ever even getting a little bit towards lukewarm or same old, same old, or been there, done that, I can remind myself that's on me, not God. God is not boring. How is it possible that I'm bored right now? Well, it's me. I just got some stuff I need to work on because this is my identity for all of eternity and that's not going to be boring, right? <laughs> like, it's going to blow our socks off, but it's the same process that's meant to be happening right now. That we're, it's unbelievably simple. It's just that as we seek him, we behold him. As we behold him, we get transformed. And so that comes down to that good, healthy, strong challenge of are we seeking him? Are we always genuinely seeking him? And that, that oh man, that's the rest of our life. Because it's going to be enough for eternity. And there's so much freedom there's so much freedom in, in, in that pursuit because it means you don't have to have it all together. It just means you come back to the same thing, to genuinely seek him. I remember a, a, a question that captured our hearts just, and I, us, I mean my wife and I, because we're a, we're a we, we're a one, 
the vision of this church comes from that we in one. Uh, and a, ca- a question from so long ago that I believe encapsulates everything I'm talking about is when you're, you should be able to ask every single Christian this question and have a, a similar response. What is God doing in your life lately? And for there to be a fresh bread answer. That's kind of the whole point of why we do what we do. That's the passion for this church. It's always going to be. We're learning and growing to kind of touch your eye to continue to do it better and better in our own lives and to share it with you all. But that right there, to me, encapsulates discipleship. The word discipleship simply means learner. An apprentice of Jesus. And there's so much within that question that is encapsulated. There's depth. There's assumptions. The assumption, the huge assumption is, what is God doing in your life lately? The big, big, big assumption is, it should be something. If you have to refer to six months ago or six years ago or your testimony is that time when you came to Christ, you're missing the point. The relationship that Jesus invites us into as he says, come follow me, is meant to be 20 years ago, six years ago, six months ago, six days ago, and six minutes ago. Like, it is meant to be the essence of a daily relationship, a real relationship, where literally more and more, as he becomes not just Savior, but Lord, it's literally every second. Why can the Apostle Paul say, pray without ceasing? That's not a call to get in alone in your closet and have a list of prayer requests for others. It means that your relationship with God is meant to be your entire reality. You are your relationship with God. What is God doing in your life lately is not meant to be an intimidating question or a shaming question. Again, it's meant to be a hopeful. This is, God wants to be so real, personal, powerful, and present in my life that if anybody asks me that question, and I'm not talking to me, I'm talking, I believe every believer on the planet, this is your identity. If anyone asks you that question at any time, there will be an answer from not very long ago. Like, well, God said this this morning when I was in his word. Or God said yes, this yesterday when I was praying about this or I asked him about this. Or God did this yesterday in my family as we were doing this. Or God said this as I was giving to him this current challenging situation at work. Or God did this and he brought this breakthrough. We've been praying about this for 20 years and man, it was so cool. There's always something. And that's the fire. That's the fire in our belly that we absolutely believe It's not too much for us. This is not too high for us. Us and every single follower of Christ. God is not more available to some people than others. The veil is torn. Meaning every single person on the planet who puts their faith in Jesus and is born again and has the spirit of God living inside of them 
filling them up, filling them up, renewing them, giving them the character and nature of Christ, the Bible says. That's crazy. You have equal access to the risen Lord Jesus as anyone and everyone. And so when we come across questions like, what is God doing in your life lately? The, the hopeful vision that pulls us forward is that more and more, your answer will be, how much time do you got? Because I could talk about today or yesterday or this in my wife or this with my son or this with my other son or this with work or this with personal breakthrough or this with a big dream I've got or this with a challenging situation. And it's just there. <laughs> it's just there because what is God doing in your life lately? It's like everything. Because I'm nothing without him. Apart from him, as Jesus said, I can do nothing. But in him, I can bear great fruit. This is John 15, 1 to 5, Jesus' words. But in him, I will bear such good fruit that the world looks at that life and gives glory to God. Because they're shocked, basically. It's like, wow, I know they couldn't pull that off. I know that fruit is too good for just their own strength. I know the fact that they respond that way to that tough situation, wow, that must be God. The fact that they have hope, even though this is going on. The fact that they have joy. The fact of how they parent, how they do marriage, how they do work, how they do life, all of it. This is Jesus talking. Jesus' good news for you is that his power, as you, we learn to abide in him, rest in him, Stop trying to do life in any moment apart from him. And as we learn to do that, as we learn to abide, the promise is that the fruit of our life increasingly will literally carry the glory of heaven. To the point people give God glory. They don't, I love it. They don't give you glory. They're like, wow, look, you're so cool. They're like, wow, you couldn't have pulled that off. God must be good. I love it. That's what Jesus says. They give glory to your Father in heaven. <sighs> I, I, I didn't use any notes today because this is a fire in the belly. This is one of the few messages I don't do the 99-cent download from some other pastor. And I'm going to show you how much I'm being transformed by the spirit of Christ, and I'm going to stop right now <laughs> and be concise, and I'm going to say, babe, would you share a little bit of the fire in your belly and pray, and we'll be uh, on to celebrating with a brunch. I love that verse, Romans 12, 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And we don't all feel like that all the time. You know, I think we can all admit we don't all feel like that every moment, but God gives us the remedy. And so we need to be coming to him regularly and walking in the ways that he calls us to walk. Otherwise, we will be lacking in zeal. So there are a couple things. I heard an amazing, I was listening to this amazing sermon by Bill Johnson. It's his newest one on the transformed mind. It's so powerful, and he made this comment about if you're on mainstream media or social media 
or any kind of media more than you're in the word of God, you're setting yourself up for destruction. Boom. (laughs) And the word of God is so, so, so powerful. I just want to share just a personal testimony from this past week. I actually, I was just super upset because I got a ticket for being on my cell phone and I wasn't on my phone in the car. In fact, just before I got the ticket, I made a commitment to the Lord that I wasn't even, because I, you know, you start the phone call before you start driving because you're supposed to be hands-free. And I was about to call my mom and I said, you know what, Lord? I just feel you taking me deeper, that you want to be, you want to have me using all my car time, even though calling my mom and checking up on her is a good thing. But you want me to take these moments of stillness, which are rare when you're a mom and you have kids running around all the time. You want me to just press into your presence and commune with you. And so that was three minutes before I got the ticket, so I wasn't on my phone. (laughs) I was actually holding it up, using it as a sunshade. And if there had been cameras, I wish there were. I asked the cop, I'm like, are there cameras you can look at? You could actually see my screen was facing out. I wasn't looking at it. I was just, it was just up like this. And it was, it was just all sorts of, I was so upset. I was just, oh, like of all the people, do you know how I don't use my cell phone? Like, do you have any idea how passionate I am against the cell phone and how it occupies the place of the Holy Spirit and also gives us dopamine hits and gets us addicted to the screen where we're hooked on the cell instead of hooked on Jesus? And I'm like, and I'm getting a ticket for this, and I was fuming. Kim and Mike came over. We were doing some kids' crew stuff, and I think the entire first 30 to 45 minutes was me just... So, and I just couldn't get out of it. I couldn't get out of it, and and I was like, God, what are you saying to me? And I didn't hear anything. And then I got in the Word. And the Word is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And I just want to read. I just, I've been doing something where I just take a real small portion of scripture. And it's in the morning when I first get up, so my brain's kind of groggy. I'm not even speaking anything out loud. But while I'm getting ready, I'm just going over and over and over with this word. And it was Psalm 27 in the Passion Translation And it was, I want to live with him every moment in his house. And I skipped the middle part, and I was meditating on this portion next. I want to live with him every moment in his house, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. So I had been 24 hours just just really upset, just the injustice of it all, and and just feeling like I I was actually, it's like he was treating me like a criminal. He kept saying, well, why is your phone on the floor? I'm like, because it fell. Well, why is this? Why is that? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not a criminal. Like, seriously, look at me, (laughs) you know? No, I mean, like, I'm not a criminal. Like, I'm not scary. I'm not like, you know, I don't have my brass knuckles on, you know? I don't have my gun in my, you know, uh, glove box or whatever. But it was just, I was just rattled with all of this kind of, like, injustice. And I can't believe I got a ticket for something that wasn't true and all of this stuff. And I couldn't get over it. I wasn't moving on. And it was just amazing I meditated on that word just over and over and over. And the word of God cut it all out. He renewed my spirit. 
The circumstances didn't change. I still have to pay that ticket. But I came to a place where it didn't touch me anymore. I rose above. I blessed the police officer. I took this as an opportunity to buckle down even more in my cutting off the phone as being a part of my life and leading in any way, which is hard. You know, you turn on the phone and you get text after text and they're people you love that are important or it's work. And then I feel like my mind goes to another place and I've just been very, very, very intentionally just saying, Jesus, I want to dwell in you more. I want to be filled with you more. But I came out of that meditation on the word stronger, lifted up on the mountaintop. Somehow the circumstances didn't change. I'm still going to go pay that ticket. It's still sitting on my record. And if I get another one in 36 months, then my insurance will go up. So it's all still there. And I, but everything left other than worship and victory and triumph and blessing. And that's not to say there's, you know, not times that I think about the cop for a minute and, I'm, and I have to ch- switch my mind and say, you know what, I'm going to bless him in Jesus' name. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless him. He was just doing his job. And you know what? Most people are on their phone. And he was just protecting us. And to have someone looking at their phone while they're driving is not a good thing. So I'm going to bless him. Bless him to protect us. But the word of God is powerful. And and I feel like there are two things that can keep us from living in this place of zeal. And that's in our action in obedience to God. So getting in the word of God Get in praying, but getting in that word and letting it marinate and settle within you because we hear, we hear a counterfeit story of reality every day. Every day. Everything we view in general on social media, on mainstream media, on the news, all over the place. It's counterfeit. It's not his words. So we need to marinate in his words. And the second is getting in fellowship. If I am alone and I'm not getting in the word and prayer, if I am not getting with my brothers and sisters and being vulnerable and asking for prayer from people, not just him, being connected to the body. He's not the, he's not the whole body. And we're not made to be connected to every single person. But when I cut off my girls, my fellowship, my, um, you know, closest confidants, not cut them off intentionally, when you just get so busy, I feel it. There's so much encouragement that comes from being connected to the body. It's one of the main purposes of us needing to get together to encourage one another regularly. So that's just a really, really important thing that we need to get in there. And um, were you going to say something? Anyways, just those tools. Can I say one last thing about guilt? I want to say one uh, very quick last thing. This is so important because these things can take us out of zeal and take us off the playing field if we're not doing them. The next is guilt. How many of you struggle with that? I do. You didn't do it perfect. You didn't do this. You didn't do that, okay? This is Colossians 2, verse 14. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record 
and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. And so there is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. But we're not supposed to stay in the sorrow, and guilt is not a part of that. Repentance actually means to change your mind and turn. So the momentary godly sorrow is momentary, and then we change our mind We receive his thoughts instead of our thoughts, his mindsets instead of our mindsets, his ways instead of our ways. And this is a really good litmus test for us. If we have guilt instead of gratitude, so guilt for our sin instead of gratitude for his blood, that he freed us from it, he paid for it. If we have guilt instead of gratitude, then we are worshiping the sin instead of the Savior. Singing.